0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola from clevergirlfinance.com and I am very excited today because I have another one of my finance friends on. We're gonna be talking about how she saved $85,000 in a single year. Her name is Jamila Souffrant and she's the founder of Journey to Launch. But before we get into my conversation with Jamila, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, I would love it if you do and I would also love it if you can tell a friend. You can find this podcast on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on iTunes and be sure to head over to clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there as well so you can get access to my free resource library. You can join my amazing community of awesome women in my Facebook groups and you can also get access to my weekly newsletter where I share a bunch of awesome and fun finance tips and money updates that can help you as you work towards building real wealth. Finally, if we aren't already friends on Instagram, what are you waiting for? Head over to Instagram and follow at Clever Finance. I would love to be able to connect with you and engage with you over there as well. So let's get into my conversation with Jamila. Hey, Jamila. Hey, Bola. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. So for the people who are listening who don't know who you are, introduce yourself. Tell us about you, why you started Journey to Launch. Sure.
1: So... I'm Jamila. I started Journey to Launch initially as a platform to share my journey to financial freedom. So if I step back a little bit, I came to the United States when I was about two years old. I was born in Jamaica. And so I was raised by a single mom in Brooklyn and I really believe that is what laid the foundation for me wanting to be not only a hard worker, but wanting me to become financially free because I saw from an early age that money really provided you the options for a lot of things. Um, for example, my grandmother. So most times when you come over here as an immigrant, especially if you're an older woman, the most things you can do is usually watch children. So mm-hmm. she used to watch a nanny watch children and nanny for... Um, um you know wealthy to upper middle class families in the city and she would just always come home and tell my mom about the things she's seen and just the, the opportunities that the people she worked for, like what they could do for their kids. So my mom always just instilled that hard work and that I can do anything I wanted to, but I just had to put that work in. So from a very young age, I, I worked, I had my first job at 14 and I was always saving money. And it kind of just led me on the path to knowing that at some point when I started to work full time, I wanted to be rich, and I didn't know how I was going <laughs> to do it. And I went off to college. Luckily, I got a really good internship that was paid, and it allowed me to save money. And so, by the time I graduated from school, I was able to put down money on my first condo in Dumbo. And then from there, it kind of um, snowballed. So I got a I got a full time job, and immediately when I started working, I said to myself, you know what? I am not going to continue working after thirty because I knew even at that point, at twenty two, that not that I didn't want to work. I just wanted to work on the things I wanted to do. I I didn't want to be stuck behind a cubicle or, you know, having a boss telling me what to do. And I thought that by the time I was 30, I was going to figure out a way to be out. I thought I was going to be rich somehow. And what happened was, as I started working, I started to just fall into, you know, the lifestyle, not, you know, inflation trap. It wasn't that I was necessarily overspending, although I did buy things in my 20s that I would not, by now. But I kind of lost track of that goal of wanting to retire or wanted to quit my job. So I ended up working um, and then just not being intentional about the way I was spending my money because what I saw around me was that everybody was working and just being okay with not being happy with their jobs and thinking that they had to work forever. And then on top of that, I didn't really understand that there was a way to become financially free without building a million dollar business. I thought the only way to do it was to create a company and to um, basically earn a lot of money on a side business. I didn't understand that that you can actually save and invest your money aggressively and then at some point use that to carry you forward with your expenses. Mm -hmm. And Because of that, because of working and then kind of getting lost in, you know, just life, I got married, I had my two kids. And then in my early 30s, as I was driving on my hour and a half commute, (laughs) I said to myself one day, like, no, I cannot do this. Like, I cannot do this forever. There has to be another way. I missed the mark of retiring or quitting my job at 30. So perhaps I can set another goal um, and maybe I'll make it 40. So I started to listen to a lot of podcasts and read blog posts about people retiring early or people becoming financially free. And it really just it made me realize that there were other ways to go about reaching financial freedom. Hmm. And it just inspired me to create the blog and share my journey, which then snowballed into helping other people who also want to reach financial freedom.
0: And I love that you call your blog Journey to Launch Um, Because I guess 40 is your launch date to, you know, financial freedom, you know, when you start to basically do what it is you really want to do. And and so I really like that. And I think that for young people, um, that whole transition into working full time for many is a shock. It definitely was for me. I remember when I first started my first full time job, I was 24 and I had never had to wake up at seven in the morning before because or even 630 because all my classes were afternoon and night classes. And so I would stay up all night and then wake up at like 12 o'clock. And it was such a hard transition. I was like, I'm going to be done at this job forever. I'm going to be done working by the end of this year in my mind. (laughs) Right. But of course that was an unrealistic expectation. It was such a shock to me. And I think a lot of people kind of fall into the trap or fall into the motion of just going with the flow of wake up, go to work, pay bills, come home, wake up, go to work, pay bills, come home. And you have to want more. You have to create big plans for your life, even though they may seem out of reach and give yourself something to work towards because unless you have those goals, they can't become reality unless you have something you're working towards, right? So I love that you have a f- age 40 <laughs> retirement date. How far away are you from that date? So I'm 34 now, so that's six, aw- six years
1: away, but I would love for that to happen way sooner than that. <laughs>
0: six years is not a long time. <laughs>
1: it, it's not, but it, it. You know, sometimes I I admit that it does seem it's not a long time in the grand scheme of life when you look at your whole spectrum of how long you live. But then when you realize just like how quickly time moves and that like my kids by that time, how much like older they'll be. And sometimes I just wish that I had the freedom and flexibility Mm -hmm. to spend more time with them now. But I know that I'm working for a reason. I'm working towards a goal. And, you know, I really try to stay focused on that because I know that all the work I'm putting in now will pay off in the future.
0: Yeah. And in six years, they're still going to be kids. Plus, at that time, they'll remember, you know, they're not like babies anymore, where right? they, they don't care if you're at home or not. I mean, they care, but at that age, they're going to be like, they're going to have those memories of you being around and you being able to do stuff for them. They're going to be more, I guess, stronger memories. So. Right. Right. <laughs> so let's kind of t- talk a bit more about your story, which is the fact that you guys saved $85,000 in a single year. So that was you and your husband, right? yes so So that was my husband and i Mm -hmm. what i mean why did you guys decide that you know what this year this was in 2016 right yes this was last year 2016 why did you decide that in 2016 we're going to start saving super aggressively so on my commute i started to listen to the podcast
1: um just different podcasts and i started to read a lot of blog posts about people reaching financial freedom and the way that they were doing it um other than having a business and, you know, becoming rich, rich that way, they were saving at least half of their income. Mm -hmm. So like typically we're told, um, when we graduate from school, you know, just put away 10 to 15% of your income for retirement, which is fine if you want to work for a very, very long time. But what I realized and what I learned that people were doing is that the more aggressive you are with your savings, the more you can save your income and invest that early on the you know mm-hmm. more it grows, the more it compounds, and then you'll be able to quit and retire quick, you know, sooner than the standard retirement age. Yeah. And so once I realized that was the case, I said to myself, okay, how can we maximize our saving and investments right now? And luckily for us, my husband, he's a teacher, so he had access to a 457 plan and then also his 403B plan, and then I had a 401k. So just right off the bat, I just said to myself, we need to somehow find a way to maximize and max out all those plans, um, not only to reduce our tax burden, but to also, you know, aggressively put away, you know, money as you know, soon as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, for those of you listening, uh, the plans that Jamila mentioned, if you're outside of the United States, those are retirement savings plans that are available depending on what kind of job you have in the states. And I really like that you touched on you know, what what people say or what the general standard is of saving, save 10 to 15%. And I always like to tell my audience and people that I coach and, you know, people who are part of the tribe that a standard is simply what it is. It's a standard. It's a guideline. It doesn't mean that is what you have to follow because... You have to look at what are your own objectives and what are your own goals and what you want to accomplish. And maybe that standard is not good enough because so many people go by standards of how much they be they should be saving. you know, just pay minimum payments on your debt, pay your student loans for the next twenty five years because they gave you a twenty five year plan. Those are all standards, and they don't necessarily help you accomplish the immediate goals that you want to accomplish. So it's always important to understand that standards are simply standards and then look at your own objectives and your own goals and say, you know what, I'm not going to follow a standard. I want to do better and bigger and quicker.
1: Yeah. that's And that's such a good point because what happens is we sometimes, if we're only exposed to one kind of way or a certain thing, we don't know any better. Yeah. We don't know the possibilities. And that's kind of like what I felt I that happened to me because I didn't understand why people said you know save you know put some percentages away when I first started working in my early 20s I did the minimum I only did like the minimum and then I finally bumped it up to get the company match at least I did that right you know after a couple of years mm-hmm. but I didn't know that there was a boatload of people in the world saving like half of their income and planning to retire in 10 to 15 years after they started working like I didn't know that was a possibility and so like you said Most people follow a standard or status quo of what they know. And so that's why it's so important to research and just to familiarize yourself with other ways of life, because you just never know what you can find that will inspire you to do something different and to push yourself. Because what you might think is like awesome, which maybe it is, like someone else is doing maybe three times more than that. And you're like, wow, wait, I can probably do three times more too, which is totally what happened to us we realized we can save so much more like what we were doing was nothing compared to what we Mm -hmm. did last year
0: and that's because you guys i think that's also because you guys kind of identified your big why right and that's all the things that you had mentioned earlier and it's that was that is your motivator that's what's making you want to ditch the standard and go after your own objective and i think for those of you who are listening you want to be clear on your why you want to you want to identify what is what is it that you really want to accomplish in your life? What is it that you want to achieve in your life? Because that's what is going to motivate you and that's what's going to help you ditch standards. So identify your why. And once you know what your why is, it's then what can I do to make this a reality? And when you start thinking about what can I do, then you start making it a point to educate yourself, to find out information, which is what you did, Jamila. You started listening to podcasts. You started researching on blogs you started figuring out okay how can I make this retire by 40 year reality and that was because of your why so guys I say this all the time on the podcast you gotta identify your why and you you have to if it means shut yourself in your room turn off your blinds disconnect your phone and figure it out you need that why because it's what's going to help you start working towards and what's going to help you accomplish those goals that you have set mm, so, yeah So, Jamila, you guys are probably making like five million dollars to be able to save 85K in a year, right?
1: (laughs) I wish. I wish.
0: (laughs) So what percentage of your income were you guys saving? Because, And before you answer answer that, um, guys, again, this goes back to the why. Don't get caught up in you have to make a million dollars to be able to save money. So, Jamila, tell us what percentage of your income were you and your husband saving to be able to save 85,000 dollars? Guys, (laughs) Guys, eighty five thousand <laughs> right in a so, year.
1: <laughs> yeah, to break it down, that is about um, almost forty eight percent of our take home pay. So it's about when we calculate savings rate when we calculate like your gross income and then how much you're putting away for retirement accounts and then index funds or whatever else you're investing in. Mm-hmm. For us, it equates to almost fifty percent. So um, while it seems like a lot. And I'm not going to discount that it's a lot of money for us to now go from saving not even half of that um, in the previous year in 2015 to like, you know, go into half of our income. It was a it was a jump. It was it took some adjustment. So I would definitely like just echo what you just said that it doesn't like really matter like how much you make because you could be making a lot of money and um, still have a lot of debts and not be able to save a lot. So it's really about how you're managing what you're working with. So yeah. I'm pretty f- proud of the fact that we, we're pushing it to that level. Um, but again, and we live in a high cost of area um, place. So we live in New York City. And if you live in you know, a high, so, somewhere that costs a lot of money, you know that it's not cheap to live in these places. So our mortgage, you know, our house and expenses, childcare, and just the other expenses that come along with that, you know, it, it, it's,
0: it's a lot. And one of the big arguments I get from people who listen to these money stories or who read them on my blog, or even when I talked about me being able to save hundred K in three years, um, is that, well, it's either I don't make a lot of money or maybe you lived in a, in a cheaper city. So you lived in, you live in New York city and you you saved this much. When I was saving my hundred K, I lived 70% in New York too. And um, I feel like if you can save money living in New York, <laughs> you can save money anywhere. And it's all about having a budget and having a plan to guide you. And too many people let those expenses creep up into their lives, specifically around housing and auto, auto loans. And that takes out a chunk of your income. Just because you live in New York doesn't mean you need to have, you know, a Manhattan view of Central Park, Especially right, if you're right. trying To pay off your debt. So it's look at look at your your finances and look where you can cut back aggressively. And keep in mind that if you're trying to save a lot of money, you can't be in a comfortable space. You can't be buying handbags and buy designer shoes and going to Beyonce and J. Cole concerts. And <laughs>
1: <whatever>. <laughs> well, Yeah. And I mean, for us, while I feel like if someone looked at us on the outside, they would, they, we probably would look no different than any other average, you know, New York City liver that's like living the good life. Um, But we did a couple of things like so when we were in our 20s, we both had more luxury cars. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when after I had my second child, I was like, okay, this coupe is not working. I need a reliable (laughs) four door car. (laughs) And then my husband, like he had a lease at one point. And so we ended up buying reliable cars, um, for us. And then with the housing, like I would love to live if anyone's familiar with New York city. So my first condo was in Dumbo and I just love that area. And, but it's a studio apartment. Like if I were to try to buy something in Dumbo or downtown Brooklyn now, like there's no way I could, um, reasonably afford that. Now Mm -hmm. I can stretch, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be actually wouldn't probably, I probably couldn't even stretch to afford that now. And so we looked on the other side of town. So we bought for us, what was a reasonably priced um, home. But if you probably, if if it was anywhere else, like we probably could have had a mansion, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, there are things that we do that we, you know, cut out. And I want to say that the number one way, the number thing, number one thing that we did to be able to increase our savings and investing was not only budgeting, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit, but it was really taking advantage of these pre-tax retirement accounts mm-hmm. because half of that 85,000 is almost half is about is the pre-tax retirement accounts. It's the mm-hmm. 401k, it's the 403b and 457 plan. So because my husband is a teacher, he has access to two that he can max out at 18,000 each. And then I have access to one at about 18,000. And so for us, Maxing that out um, was just first priority. So we just worked with what was left from our paychecks. So if you know about the pre-tax stuff, it comes out of your check. Um, if you have it through your company, it usually just comes out automatically. So we get our take-home pay and we work with what's left over in our take-home pay. So I think that was a big change versus if we had our take-home pay and then had to maybe you know take half of that and put it into retirement accounts. I feel like because it was automatic and we didn't see mm-hmm. it, it almost like it didn't it didn't exist. We had to work with what we had.
0: Yeah. And that automation makes savings so much easier. Automation is your friend, especially if you have a solid budget in place e- each month and then you tie in with automation so that the money automatically comes out. I mean, if you're contributing to a retirement plan, that's what typically what happens if it's through your employer. But a lot of people don't max out or they don't contribute to retirement because they feel like, well, I have a lot of time, you know, I can save later. And it's all about making that conscious decision because you guys could very well have not contributed or contributed 1%. And um, you could have decided, you know, our, our savings goal is $10,000. You could have kept your luxury cars. You could have taken your fancy vacations. You could have bought a few Chanel handbags, you know, you could have still been living life. <laughs> right. But you chose that, you chose not to because you have a goal. And so, Guys, it's about getting uncomfortable and think about the fact that the uncomfortable space, you will easily adjust to it, right? And also keep in mind that it is temporary. So Jamil and her husband, this is a six-year goal and six years, think about the last five years of your life and how quickly it went by. And in six years, you know, you'll probably be running Journey to Launch full-time, doing whatever you want to take vacation when you want. hopefully, You know, and... (laughs) You won't have to worry about dealing with a boss. You're going to be able to live life on your own terms. And all of the savings, all of this cutting back would have been so worth it. So, yeah, that's really, really, um, you know, it's about getting uncomfortable. And you can save if you live in an expensive city. You just have to get objective with what you want and look at where you can cut back and make your budget your best friend.
1: Right. And part of what we did, too. So we talked about a bit that the the pre-tax retirement accounts were a priority for us. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we sat down and we came up with some non-negotiable target goals that Mm -hmm. like we need to hit these target amounts and I don't care what else that we have to do to get there. So if we have to cut things like cable or not go out to eat, like we are doing it to hit these goals. Mm -hmm. So for us, The non-negotiable goals were the investment, um, the pre-tax retirement accounts, and the mortgage. So I didn't talk about this yet, but for me to be able to feel comfortable to leave my job, I want to pay off the mortgage because it is a big chunk of our expenses and I just wouldn't feel like comfortable um, with that like over our head and so I'm really on a mission to try and find a way to pay it off as quickly as possible so our non-negotiables are the pre-tax retirement accounts and the mortgage now we, mm-hmm. uh, we, we do Roth IRAs we do backdoor Roth IRAs and index investing and 529 accounts but for me the most important things are hitting those those targets the mm-hmm. first the uh, pre-tax and the mortgage payoff. So by any means, we're going to funnel money to that. And then whatever is left over, we funnel to the rest of those areas mm-hmm. and then live off what's left.
0: So some of you might be wondering, well, my employer does not offer a retirement savings plan. I don't have access to a pre-tax option, pre-tax benefit rep- plan. Um, and you don't, you, you don't need to have a retirement plan through your employer to be able to save. You can open your own IRAs independently and the the, the contribution maximums are, are lower, but you can still contribute to those and you can save and invest on your own. Um, saving, b- building wealth and saving long term is not all about your employer's retirement plan. That is an avenue that you can use that has tax benefits. But if you're, for instance, I work full time for myself now, so I don't have the option of an employer retirement plan anymore, but I have an IRA and I have my own independent on retirement investing. So it's, don't feel like, because again, this is another excuse I get from people. Well, my employer doesn't offer one, so I don't, you know, I can't save. Yes, you can save. Mm -hmm. You don't have to you don't you're going to miss out on the tax benefit yes but you're you you can still save on your own outside you can open up a brokerage account you can open up a savings account if you don't know what you want to do with the money yet you can start learning about investing you can you know sit with a financial advisor or financial coach and start getting educated about where you can put your money there are mm-hmm. many many options it's not all about saving in a retirement account and you are doing more than just saving in retirement accounts you have your you're, you're doing more than just saving Your employer retirement accounts You have your right. own IRAs You have your own emergency fund You have other savings Savings for your kids So guys don't You know Whenever I do interviews like this or whenever I share stories on the website, and Jamila's story is also on the Clever Girl Finance website, and it's on her own website, Journey to Launch, which I'll link in the show notes. Whenever I do these stories, people kind of get siloed into trying to fit themselves into that person's situation. And if they can't find the connection, they're like, oh, I can't do it. But it's -hmm. it's all about being open-minded. And so, okay, Jamila talked about she's saving 50% of her income, even though she's using employer sponsored retirement accounts and I don't have access to that, what else can I do to save 50% of my own income?
1: Right. I want people to remember that it is all relative to what you can do on your own income. And so if, say you are not, you know, make, say you're making $50,000 it's and you know, you have to live, right? So you still have to be reasonable with your own expenses. And then you have to be reasonable about paying off whatever debt you have, but there is a way to save more. So there's a lot of people will say, well, I can't save more than I'm already saving, or I don't um, just, I don't know what to do. And I feel like, The whole, the the excuse, I'm going to call it, of I can't save more than I'm saving. While it could be valid in some areas, if you really have cut back what you can cut back and you really are pushing what you can to debt payoff and savings, a lot of people are spending things that they don't need to spend on because they think it's a mandatory need and it's not. Like, so I feel like one of the things we do and one of the the ways I like to look at money or expenses is mandatory expenses versus non-mandatory expenses. So... I like to break that out so that I know what goes first if one of my goals are not going to be met. So for me, like cable and int- well, Internet is kind of mandatory at this point because I have Journey to Launch. But cable is not mandatory. Like you don't need to have cable. It's a nice to have or going out to eat restaurants. That is not a mandatory need. I mean, it feels good. And <laughs> maybe you can treat yourself. I mean, I I, I I love going out to eat, but we had to cut back and we had to put a limit on, on how much we did that clothes shopping. Like I, I'm not one of those, you know, frou-frou fancy girls. So that kind of helps me where I don't really, I don't go to the hairdresser. I hate getting my nails done. I hate getting my eyebrows done. I'm just really like a little tomboy in the inside, which kind of helps with my personal expenses, but little things like that, where it's just like, I'm not saying that you cannot do those things, but if it comes at the expense of you not being happy in your current situation because you hate your job, because you have too much Mm -hmm. debt and you cannot get out of it, then you need to see and make some changes. Like, what can you cut back, even if it's just temporary, until you hit these goals and hit a stride again where you feel comfortable?
0: Yeah. What is your why? And I feel like I've heard every single excuse under the sun. Well, I need to keep my I need to keep my mental health in tip top shape. So I need to go to the gym, work out at home. Well, it's getting cl- it's getting cold. I need a new winter coat to wear more layers of clothes in your closet. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I only, I only eat organic, then buy, you don't have to buy the most expensive organic foods. A lot of stores sell store brand organic too. That is like at least, um, a third, sometimes cheaper than the brand name organic. So for every excuse you have, um, there is a counter excuse that you can come up with to help you stay on your goals.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so true. Like you don't, you don't have to, and you don't have to get everything right. It's just about realizing what matters to you. So remember we talked earlier about this. people, like, um, you know, you're working hard, you get, you, you, you get a full time job and you kind of just like, you have lifestyle inflation. Mm -hmm. I see that a lot of people, they're just trying to self-medicate most of the time to escape from their current reality. So for example, like, you know, because you don't like your job, you feel as if you need to then, or you're not happy because sometimes people don't even equate the internal feeling of not being happy with not being like happy with their work situation or their finances, but it's all connected. So you self medicate maybe by, okay, I need to go let off some steam. Let's just go out to eat or let let me just get a drink. Or, you know, I need to just sit back and, you know, watch cable, which again, nothing is wrong with the, are, are wrong with these things. But when you realize that, because you're self-medicating to kind of like numb the feelings you have about not being happy where you are those things are costing you more money and keeping you stuck in the cycle so rather than keeping on spending money to keep up a lifestyle that is not benefiting you and not getting you closer to your goals just sit down and really evaluate what matters to you and what really equal what equates to your happiness because a lot of times it's not what you think it is
0: yeah that is true so let me ask you this um because i think we all have those days where like you know oh my god i just want to go out and do something fun i want to spend some money so how do you manage those days obviously it's not all about saving every second of your life you know you can Mm -hmm. still build in fun but how do you stay motivated how do you manage the days where you have urges to spend money but you know that that kind of takes you off of your goal um what do you guys do to stay motivated on this journey to launch (laughs) 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 so for us all right there's
1: a couple things the budget that we have gives us guidelines and so we like going out to eat so we set a certain amount of money per month that we can go out to eat so at least I know that if it's mid-month and it's like okay we don't I don't feel like cooking we just want to go out um let me look at how much money we have left in the budget to go out to eat right so that kind of keeps us in line and it still allows us to enjoy what we like so I'd say definitely try to budget ahead for the things you know you are you, you want to do. So if you do you do value getting your hair done or you know getting your nails done and that makes you feel good and it's important to you important to you budget for it, but budget for it reasonably. So may, and maybe you can still cut back. So instead of going to the nail salon every week or every other week, maybe go every 3 weeks or instead of going to to get your hair done every, and you know, getting the, the flyest, you know, newest weave. I don't know. <laughs> you you don't do it <laughs> as often, or maybe you know, like you can still do what you like, but find ways to cut back. Because if you go cold turkey, just like if you go on a diet, and you like try to cut out everything, and you're not realistic, and then you go binge because you're depriving yourself of what makes you happy. It's the same thing with the finances. Budget for the things you like doing, but still make it reasonable and then the other thing is remembering your why. So I know Bola you talk about this a lot. I talk about this a lot and we don't talk about it just because it sounds good. It's important. It's important to know why you are doing this. And for me, even though my commute is long, every time I'm in that car, I that like that's my why. Like I I want to be able to not be in that car so long. And so for me, it's like staring me in my face every day, my why, especially when I see my kids and the future that I want for them, it it just makes everything more clear. So the why also keeps us very motivated um, on the journey.
0: That's awesome. And so for anyone who's like listening, that is maybe at the early stages of their journey, or they've made mistakes and they're trying to reset and they want to get on this path of, okay, I want to set my goals. I want to start saving money. I want to be able to live out my dream of maybe retiring, retiring early, maybe starting my own business. Maybe, I don't know, being able to travel every year because not everybody has different goals, right? You know, you don't have to retire early if that's not what you want to do. Some people might, some people might love their, their jobs, but what encouragement would you give someone who's just trying to either turn things around or is just trying to get on the right path or They might be on the right path, but they need encouragement to keep going because sometimes it's really hard. It's hard to save money. Sometimes it's hard to especially with all the outside factors, you know, people, TV, social media. And it's hard to just be on that straight and narrow. So what advice would you give?
1: I would say influence matters. So who who influences you, your environment, that motivation matters so while it needs to be intrinsic while it needs to be internal while you need to be self-motivated it is so important like I said to have outside influences that are positive so for me seeing that other people were doing this reading blog posts listening to podcasts following people that inspire me on Instagram keeps me you know focused and wanting to continue running versus if I had none of that, if it was just myself and my thoughts and the doubts that come in, maybe I wouldn't be able to be as focused. So that's part of it. It's making sure your circle of influence, even if it's online, is a positive one and it can help motivate you. The other thing is the intrinsic um, motivation. It is realizing that no one is perfect and we all make mistakes and it's okay not to get everything right. i have not gotten everything right. I still mm-hmm. am not getting everything right. It's a continual process of improvement. So give yourself some um, slack and don't be too hard on yourself. But what you need to do is you need to act. So instead of sitting and being in a hole and digging deeper, so spending more, putting things more in debt and just you know saying I don't know what to do, so you continue doing what's not good, stop and say to yourself you are going to do things differently and then learn educate yourself so you know you need to budget maybe you're not budgeting then find some resources to help you figure out how to do a budget and continue to search until you find something that resonates so maybe the first thing you look up doesn't work or doesn't work for you keep looking don't give up on your first try Um, you really have to be persistent because again I think people assume that oh you're just going to get it right and if you're not getting it right or you don't understand it then you know You just forget it, and that's not the case. It's a continual journey. We'll go forward. We'll go backwards. But as long as you are taking steps to move forward, you'll get to your destination. And then I would say maybe just one more thing to do is um, budget. I can't like say that enough. It's so Mm -hmm. important um, to create a spending plan um, to really see where your money is going and be real with yourself. Like. If it is so important to you to pay off that debt, is it because it is, then can you then just maybe not go out to eat for four months, five months to get that done? Or maybe you sh- can cut cable for four or five months or for a year to get these goals done. Again, Bola said this before, and I say this too, you will be uncomfortable. But unless you're willing to be uncomfortable, you're not going to grow. You're not going to change. Because if that was the case, being if we were just to stay the same way, then we wouldn't have to change, right? So it's mm-hmm. about morphing and becoming someone better someone new and you have to be a little comfortable to do that
0: yeah comfort is discomfort is part of the journey I mean if you want to accomplish anything you're gonna to have to get out of your own way and embrace fear and make it you know your best friend that's <laughs> that's part of the <laughs> life I live you know fear yeah. fear is part and parcel of what I do every day I mean I quit my job to run clever girl finance and a lot of people are afraid of getting uncomfortable. They know they want to pay off their debt. They know they want to save money, but they're afraid of what it's going to take. But what's the worst thing that can happen, right? You you can't go out, and eat. you can't buy new clothes. You can't, I don't know, buy a new handbag. Does it kill you? No. <coughs> and in a few short months or a few short years, when you've gotten your finances together and you have money in the bank, you're going to be so different from all of your friends because they're still, still going to be in that cycle of, let me, you know, buy this bag, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. You know, I, I owe all this money, but I'm still going to go out to eat. You're going to be so different. So it's all about staying in the course. That is awesome advice, Jamila.
1: And I actually want to interject because I know there's probably some people listening that say, well, I already don't buy handbags and I am reasonable with my expenses. <laughs> like, so you're not talking to me. What else you got? So,
0: <laughs> General example, people.
1: <laughs> so, but I would say that um, another thing is, so maybe you are trying your best currently and you don't feel like you are getting anywhere. I would say be patient then be patient. So create a plan, whether you see it, say that, okay, I'll be able to get out of debt in two, three years. Or like for me, I see that it might, it's going to take that six years for me to be able to quote unquote retire. It seems like a long way away, but be patient with the journey.
0: Yeah.
1: Also, um, celebrate your wins along your journey. So yes, maybe, you know, the retirement will not happen in six years, but the fact that I you know w- was able to max out my IRA, my, my Roth IRA, or the fact that I was able to add additional $150 a month to my index funds, um, like that is a win. So just Celebrate the small wins along your way and be patient and realize you're not alone. Like we are all on some sort of journey. So and not everyone has reached their ultimate like place. Mm-hmm. So it's okay if you're not there yet.
0: Yeah, and to what you said, you know, there's one thing that I've noticed, and I think it's a it's a common thread where people will be in a space where they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing. And for some reason, the whole Murphy's law where things change just won't work out. And I just think that that is a test of character. You know, you've made your budget, you're on a, you know, you have a plan to pay off your debt this month, to pay, to pay towards your debt this month to save, and then your car breaks down. And then, you know, you get an unexpected bill, or then you have to, I don't know, travel for somebody's wedding. All these things come up, but it is a test of your character. So when that happens, when your car breaks down, when you get this unexpected bill, when you have to, you know, put money outside of what you had planned. How do you recover? Are you going to let yourself just be like, you know what, this wasn't meant for me and just go on a downward spiral and just blow your entire budget? Or are you going to Mm -hmm. tell yourself, you know what, this has happened, but I'm going to regroup and figure out what I can do to continue on my path? So It's, you know, a lot of things that happen are tests to your character. They're tests of, do you really want that? Why? Mm -hmm. And the thing about life is it's not that anybody's wishing for bad luck. It's not that anybody wants anything bad to happen to them, but life happens and you want to be prepared. So again, Jamila talked about budgeting, talking about cutting back to make sure she can accomplish her goals, talking about she hasn't always done everything right, but despite that she keeps making steps forward and that's where you want to get to so you might be doing everything right and you may feel like things are going wrong but don't give up right this has been awesome talking to you jamila thank you so much for being here and i'd love for you to tell my listeners how they can reach you you have an awesome podcast you have your instagram you have your website so tell us everything how can we find you
1: Sure. So you can find me everywhere on all social media as Journey to Launch. So I'm there on Instagram as Journey to Launch, Twitter, Journey to Launch, Facebook, Journey to Launch. And I do have a private Facebook group if you want to just connect more um, and encourage each other on this journey. So you can just go to Facebook and type in Journey to Launch or go to journeytolaunch.com slash community. As Bola mentioned, I do have a podcast. um, So you can always check me out over there too, which is available on all platforms that you listen to um, podcasts on.
0: And it's called Journey to Launch. (laughs) Journey to Launch. (laughs) And guys, I will put the links to um, her website, her Instagram, and her podcast in the show notes so you guys can um, easily access it. So thank you so much for being here, Jamila. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Bola.
0: So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to today's episode. And if you did, please, please subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher and leave a review so other people can find this podcast. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. I'll be back with another fun, interesting, exciting (laughs) money topic. Talk to you soon.